welcome to the Video Insiders Podcast. I'm Carlos Pacheco. And I'm Tom Martin. And we are two annoyed and grisly YouTube veterans that have been managing YouTube channels and being behind the scenes for many years. How many views have you generated, Tom? She's definitely in the billions. Um, <laughs> few, few golden play buttons to my name, and I, I yeah. stopped counting the silver ones a few years ago, so humble break. That's just yeah. actually that's just yeah. a break. There's there's no there's no humility about that whatsoever. <laughs> one one of my biggest regrets for a couple of jobs I've had is not leaving with my own, you know, with the trophies. Yeah, I should have definitely bagged a couple of those for this office. But you know, we'd have to work on getting our own ones, Carlos. You know, you have to put our money where our mouth is. I, I actually uh, just a little side note. I actually inve- investigated. You are allowed to order extra trophies. You are, but I've, I've heard that they're um, they're not cheap. So no, they're not cheap, definitely. But you know, if you have a million, if you have a channel that with a million subscribers, uh, you can afford to buy a couple hundred dollar uh, trophy. True. Tom, what's uh, what's new? What's going on? Well, uh, it's, I finally launched my course, my keyword research course that we'd spoken about on a few different episodes. So glad to say that I uh, launched that successfully and um, we hit our target and really just overwhelmed by the response and the caliber of, of people that, that joined up. Really, really, uh, really happy with that. A few teething problems, which I've won't spend too much time going into, but overall, uh, really great. And, you know, there's a lot more coming down the pipe, uh, in that kind of area of my business. And, um, you guys will be some of the first people to hear about it and you, and you're yourself. Good, That's sir. Awesome. How is the weather in Toronto? I was going to ask you how, we, <laughs> how you were, but I knew the weather talk was coming anyway. So, well, uh, today, uh, you know, I got nothing to say about in general, but today is very much a London type day in Toronto, but uh, I would say things are good. The Raptors are playing what could be their championship game tonight. Uh, as we record, I don't know by the time this goes live, it'll, it'll be what will happen but my fingers are crossed I mean, by the way the raptors are our nba team and basketball yeah i know i know enough about sports to know that. That's fine. <laughs> i'm not exactly a big sports fan but the city is kind of gone insane uh because of it so uh obviously it's 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 on everybody's mind and everybody's talking about it but yeah, other than that, uh, work's going busy and uh, life's flying by and uh, just, you know, all the all the good things. And we're just focusing too much on the drama of people doing stuff online. <laughs> yeah, the most important thing in the world, of course, is videos on the internet. And um, uh, tongue firmly in cheek there, of course. So there's lots and lots of stuff going on in the YouTube realm online video realm in the news so before we dive into our kind of meat and potatoes topic which is pretty newsy um we just want to cover off a few little kind of news stories and developments that have been kicking around in the last uh, week or so since we last had an episode so do you want to kick us off carlos yeah, I mean, uh, okay. There's, uh, we're doing uh, first off uh, a little bit of a almost like a laundry list of things that I've sort of been paying attention to online. Uh, first off, is a an apology from myself regarding uh, the pronunciation of Andrew Khan, who I uh, <laughs> mismangled in uh, the episode. I think you've, I think you've just uh, invented a new word there. Just, just. <laughs> 
just for the way that you treated Andrew, it's worth inventing a new word. It was so disgraceful. Yeah. And uh, I, I was like, I felt horrible when I do that. And, you know, I, that's one of my typical foot and mouth situations that I tend to always end up with. But Andrew, again, his name is Andrew Khan. He works with TubeBuddy. He does amazing videos. He does stuff that I am not able to do. He's certainly not mismangling any of his videos. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't think we, it, we we can't move on. You know, you've mentioned it. He, uh, Andrew, doing great stuff for our, our amazing sponsors, Chew Buddy. So we'd like to say a huge thank you to this episode's sponsor, Chew Buddy. It is the world's premier tool for efficiently running your YouTube channels, and you can get an exclusive multi-channel license by visiting VideoInsiders.fm forward slash TubeBuddy. Thanks again, TubeBuddy. Thank you, Andrew Kahn and the team at TubeBuddy. <laughs> um, so yeah, a couple of things that I wanted to sort of like mention. The Internet Creators Guild. If you don't know what that is, that is a guild that was formed going on three years ago by uh, Hank Green back when he still uh, he was still the sole owner of VidCon. And it's a great little community. Uh, it has a, a Slack channel. It's got a website. And it's it's supposed to be there to help creators and, and educate them and all that sort of stuff. And I've been a founding member. Uh, I paid my dues every year. And, uh, you know, I got my notification that my dues were up like in a month. And I realized, wait a minute, I haven't heard from anybody in that guild for like months if not years and slack channel's been dead for months uh i look at the social accounts that have been basically you know uh abandoned uh, some of them since 2017 and i'm like okay what's happening here so i decided to tweet out and call out hank and and team and just just give us an update i mean it, fe it essentially feels like ever since vidcon was purchased by viacom that that little community that had so much potential has basically been abandoned. Yeah, because when it first launched, it really kind of built itself as being almost like the union for creators. And yeah, uh, you know, I wasn't really a creator, so I never joined personally, but I was very much in favor of the idea. I remember talking about it to my audience at the time and being very much, you know, a proponent of it. So did you manage to get a response from anyone at the, behind the scenes? No, no, actually, it's only been a day and a half since I, I did. And I posted even on, uh, you know, the tweet I did as well. I did it in the message board and I specifically tagged Hank. But obviously one of those things is that, you know, yeah. that's the thing, though. Nobody's there anymore. So nobody's paying attention. I did get a couple of like creators in, in the Slack uh, acknowledge it and sort of give me like the, the sort of like. Yeah. I, I endorse this message type of situation. But uh, other than that, it's been like uh, crickets. So it's a sad because it had so much potential. And, you know, but I, I totally understand. I mean, uh, you know, we all have busy lives and we want to do awesome things. And sometimes things fall through. So I just my only sort of request here is just to have some sort of clarity here because, you know, I'm not a creator. But I felt, you know, because I was part of this ecosystem and, and all, I felt you know, resp not responsible, but I felt like a, a duty to sort of support it. But at this point, it just doesn't feel like it's, it's it's worth supporting because there's just nothing happening. So that's that was essentially my note there. My second one was just the internet's uh, annual geek out when it comes to Mary Meeker. 
Uh, Mary Meeker is an analyst for uh, big, big in investment firms. I'm not going to specifically say which ones because I don't remember right now and I didn't put notes on it. But um, every year she does an internet trends report and everybody in the world of advertising and digital media, they all just fawn over it. They go nuts over it because it's so detailed and there's so much you know, information about what's happening online. And uh, this year, she just presented it this week at the Recode conference, and it was a a gargantuan report, 333 pages. I think it's like three times the size of it, her usual stuff. And um, I just had one slide that came uh, that was super relevant for us. And this was the uh, online platform time uh, slide. What was really fascinating is that we look at like Facebook, WeChat, Twitter, Snapchat, Pinterest, Twitch, all these sort of like uh, social platforms, every single one of them except two are stagnant, basically just staying flat, no no growth uh, in usage. Guess which two are growing significantly? Instagram and YouTube. To a point where YouTube, if if it keeps going the way it's going right now, will surpass Facebook in internet usage in terms of like one times per day uh, around the world, which would be insane. I mean, YouTube is a social platform, so... Wow. It's just interesting to see. And then um, Instagram's right behind it in terms of growth. I mean, it'll, it'll surpass um, WeChat uh, probably in 2000, probably this year. We'll see what happens next year. But anyways, I wanted to sort of like bring that one up, which was really interesting. Yeah. And we can see, um, well, we'll, we'll link to this, um, this slide in the show notes, but at the bottom of the, of the list is Twitch yep. going from 1% of users to 2% of users, you know, which may sound small but from a bit of an upstart platform compared to the rest that are really quite mature i think i'd see that trend going up i don't think it's going to get anywhere near to you know the 25 percent that we see things like wechat whatsapp youtube at but i think it could easily overtake snapchat in a year or so uh and maybe even start to jump on the heels of of twitter I don't know. I'm not. I'm not convinced Twitch uh, has that much potential. Uh, it's. I, I agree that there's a. You know, there's a lot of demand. There's a lot of people on it. But there's just a weird. Um, I love what Twitch has brought to the world, and I love that that happens. As somebody who used to game a lot, but it just seems. But the UI has always been such a big issue for me, and yeah. uh, I think for the average person who just wants to watch a video. It's just not going to be mainstream for, uh, and they've tried to do a bunch of mainstream things over the years, but it just doesn't catch on. And anyways, I do. Yeah, I do I'd think- love to. I'd love to dive into the report because I'd love to see this same chart broken down by like average time spent. Because I think that Twitch would be way, way up there. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sure there's people that are watching four or five hours of streams at a time. So interesting to see. Yeah, but yeah, YouTube not going anywhere. Growing. Yeah, uh, I'm sure a lot of this growth comes from how do I say it? More developing parts of the world, the kind of uh, South America, uh, South Asia, Eastern Europe, yes, kind of places. So yeah, those are big markets. Yeah, and they're growing fast. Um, one extra little news item that I wanted to mention was that um, yesterday, I think it was, uh, YouTube announced some updates to their subscription and notifications and they said they're going to try and 
or they have fixed somewhat the reliability of people getting notifications once they ask for them. Uh, and really interestingly, they've now added in analytics. You can say, see how many people have got their notifications turned on and stuff like that. So really interesting things that you can now find in analytics. And if it's lower than you would like, you can you know start to run some kind of campaign to uh, get people to hit that notification bell, which should technically now work better than it did last week. Yeah, it definitely. Um, it was great to have them finally, I mean, how many years in, they're finally explaining why notification sometimes is broken. It has definitely improved, but it's always sort of been a black box in terms of like how people finding out, you know, when, when videos are going live and stuff. So so that was our, our kind of quick round robin of some shorter news stories. But we have a big news story, which is going to be our main topic of today. Uh, and it's been bubbling away. The theme has been bubbling away, I would say, for at least uh, the last year and a half, if not longer. But it's kind of seemed to have come to a head in the last few weeks. And what we're talking about is YouTube starting to clamp down on a number of things. First of all, we saw it in the kids' space and then kids' comments. And now we're, we're seeing a move against uh, what YouTube is talking about Um like hate speech and also what they call borderline content, which they go on to talk about. What, it, what essentially means kind of conspiracy videos. And so I'm going to try and run some kind of basic timeline and we're going to talk through kind of each step along the timeline and what's happened revolving around the story and how this affects you guys out there. So do it on the 5th of June, YouTube put out a blog post, which basically said that back in 2017, they started to take more steps to limit the features and the reach of any videos that kind of uh, even spoke about kind of hateful topics or hate speech. And, you know, to go into a bit of detail on one, that means it basically means any kind of video that made it clear that one group of people were inferior to another. So whether that's race, gender, sexuality, class, caste, they, they, they reel off a whole list. And it said that in 2017, they really took some measures to kind of throttle those, those videos. But straight away, that raises flags to me, Carlos. I don't know about you. Why would you throttle the views and kind of halt the reach of something? Mm -hmm. If you don't agree with it as a platform, why allow it at all? What, what are your thoughts on that? My thoughts is YouTube has always been wishy-washy <laughs> when it comes to its rules, right? It has a history of just like, oh, you're not supposed to do that, but you know, we're not really paying attention to each and every video. So yeah, we'll, we'll maybe we'll catch you one day, maybe you won't. So one of the biggest problems with YouTube is that they cannot curate uh, all the content. It manually approve everything by human beings and uh, the, you know, it's just quote, just impossible. So when they say throttle, I always sort of like think that's a little bit of um, uh, not clear. What I, I believe really happens is they, they just the, the algorithm ignore, ignores it and it, it just yeah. doesn't. So that they they say that it, they limit yeah. the reach yeah. of. Yeah. 
I mean, and, and then to me, I'm, I'm a big uh, believer that free speech doesn't equal free reach. Uh, that's something that's been happening more and more on these social platforms as people have learned how to game it to, to get attention here, right? And, you know, the gaming way uh, of getting attention here is by causing, you know, creating uh, drama, going after very intense emotions and creating, you know, controversy. That's something that the platform's all of them are essentially struggling with. At this point, I think they have to be really careful not to be outright banning stuff, especially when it's it's not you know it's not stuff that's that's really it's you know when I say I wanted to say really bad, but that's not the word when I say it's there's horrible stuff being uploaded online, like on a daily basis, from you know from porn to people doing horrible things so that, that we're not going into that level of things. And those things never make, make it online, thankfully, but, uh, um, they make it online. They just don't make it to YouTube. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, that's what I sort of mean when I say online, I just meant YouTube, but yeah, I, I think it's, it's sort of like a, a tough situation to be in. I wouldn't want to be in YouTube shoes right now because they've sort of put themselves in a, in a corner here by not policing themselves for many years. And all of a sudden they're like, Oh, it's starting to cause trouble. So they have to start doing things. And um, they've also said that, you know, their the systems are not perfect. This is always the case whenever there's a big change. It's like, well, there's going to be some collateral damage. Um, but, you know, with AI, the systems get smarter and smarter and, it, you know, we, we can't catch everything. And to me, equally as worrying as not catching everything is kind of false positives. Yeah, I was involved in a bit of a Twitter discussion with a channel that I will admit I'd not heard of before. It was called Mr. Allsop History. Yeah. And it's just basically a, a history teacher here in the UK that teaches the UK history curriculum. Mm-hmm. You know, he's just doing kind of basic lessons. And, of course, it will cover stuff like the Nazi party mm. um, because that is a major part of history. Mm. And basically his whole, his whole channel got demonetized and, you know, he's not preaching hate speech. He's talking, a, he's talking about, you know, factual uh, things that happened yeah. without, you know, glamorizing or, you know, inciting hatred or anything like that. He's just talking about facts. You know, there's no agenda there. He's talking to, you know, teenage kids uh, and teaching them, you know, as he would in his, his, his class setting. I think he actually got, uh, a lot of the stuff overturned. Um, he has, I think about 15 or 16,000 subscribers and therefore likely some kind of way to contact YouTube. But I think this is, this is definitely an issue of kind of overreaching these new policies. Uh, and also, you know, people that don't have a voice, people that don't have more than 10,000 subscribers yet that you know can't necessarily get an email to somebody at youtube to say look i've been caught in the the crossfire here and of course with any new policy there's going to be some fallout but i've seen it time and time again even firsthand at the bbc when i worked there we had a lot of historical documentary footage uh one that springs to mind we had a really 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 popular documentary about um hiroshima which Mm -hmm. of course is a horrific horrific event but it was just a documentary you know it wasn't a drama it didn't glamorize anything it didn't fetishize anything it was just documenting facts uh, and all of that stuff got demonetized it just kind of gets caught up because it's about war Mm -hmm. Um, and i think 
you know, you can understand it, but it also seems a little bit heavy handed. And with any new policy change, I think we're going to see a lot of false positives and fallout from this kind of initial should we call it like heavy handedness? I think fundamentally it's, it's one of those things that just it's an adulting phase. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like YouTube, you know, I think it's, it's, it's a theme that we've addressed this year on many episodes and that YouTube has to clean itself up uh, to survive. The world is, is becoming much more used to the internet, a lot more users on it and a lot more people with experience on it. You know, they're starting to see that the content that shouldn't be there, user created, you know, content and, and platforms that grow from user created content, the risks are, are now huge, right? And there's not a lot of, you know, platforms out there dr- growing in this way anymore because people are more and more sophisticated. I mean, you know, I'm pretty sure there's, I haven't looked much into TikTok, but I'm pretty sure there's, there's already controversy stuff happening around, you know, there's already a bunch of like really bad content on TikTok. And because TikTok is young, it gets away with it in a way, right? And nobody's really paying attention to it. But because YouTube has become such a mainstream thing that, you know, every media is paying attention to it. And because YouTube takes mindshare away from TV, online publications, whatever, then all these medias are like, well, you know, they're going to be much more critical of YouTube and they're going to be uh, on YouTube's case consistently because of, of that, because they're regulated. So they want YouTube to be regulated. Yeah. And it comes back to our, the theme that we've been bringing up pretty much since we started the podcast, which is YouTube's turn towards more uh, traditional media for their kind of, you know, their ideal uploader is now you know, a media company and not necessarily Johnny in his bedroom who's talking about politics or whatever it may be. And I think that's only going to continue as they they clamp down on different genres. You know, in the last week or so, there's been a massive clamp down in my kind of nerdy part of YouTube, which is like poker channels, people talking about poker vloggers. And one of the biggest poker vloggers had a lot of his videos either taken down or demonetized this week. And again, luckily he's big enough that he can get a seat at the table to find out what's happening. But it was because he was linking, I think, to, you know, poker sites where people can, you know, download poker software and stuff like that. And so I think, you know, they're slowly but surely going kind of genre by genre and picking off anything that is even remotely controversial, you know, not family friendly or controversial or could get them in any kind of trouble whatsoever. So I think that's only going to continue and continue and continue. But so they, they released this blog. I'm not quite sure of the exact timings, (laughs) but I don't think this kind of developing news story could have come at a worse time when they're talking about their uh, increased policies against hate speech Uh, because there was a massive news story where a journalist from uh, Vox, which is a a well-respected publication, came out publicly and said that he was getting abuse from a political commentator. Is that how you would describe (laughs) Mr. Crowder? From what what I know, yes. Yeah, a political commentator who uh, was saying some pretty wild things uh, about the journalist specifically in relation to his uh 
ethnicity and his sexuality. You can find out more about that by Googling it. Uh, we're not going to go into it too much, and we're certainly not going to talk about any politics on this podcast. But what we will say is um, there was a massive outcry because the videos in question from the political commentator were flagged by many, many users. And then YouTube looked into it, and then they came out with a public reaction so carlos do you want to talk about that uh the decision that they took regarding those videos and then what the kind of uh fallout was from that well the 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 issue at first is that they sort of played neutral and said like you know uh well mr crowler is allowed to sort of say what he wants to say and and all that sort of stuff and then uh maza who's a reporter obviously you know went into the details of it of youtube's policies and it's specified that bullying is not you know part of is not tolerated on the platform yet that's exactly what was uh crowder was doing and he was inciting his uh his fans to sort of like you know go after him which is the big issue with like you know the whole thing and and at the same time you know a selling merch that inadvertently was sort of like playing um was was also like bullying but in a very sort of like tongue-in-cheek way but youtube sort of like got issues with that so yeah that's that's essentially what caused the the big issue yeah so i'm just going to read out the tweets from um team youtube so they said um our team spent the last few days conducting an in-depth review of the videos flagged to us and while we found language that was clearly hurtful the videos as posted don't violate our policies we included more info below below to explain the decision and they go on to say as an open platform it's crucial for us to allow everyone from creators to journalists to late night tv hosts to express their opinions within the scope of our policies. Opinions can be deeply offensive, but if they don't violate our policies, they'll remain on our site. So basically they said, yes, this is nasty, but because it it doesn't kind of incite people to go and like hate, hate people and violence, basically we're going to, we're going to leave it up. Uh, and then, of course, there was a, a very, very big backlash um, from the journalist, of course, and then a lot of the the LGBT community, all the way to the the fact that um, you know the the San Diego Pride, no, sorry, San Francisco Pride Committee wanted to basically keep YouTube out of their celebrations because they they were not you know keeping up their end of the bargain shall we say when it comes to being an uh, lgbt positive platform um but then youtube kind of uh changed their mind carlos do you want to tell us what kind of happened next well yeah i mean they, they changed their mind they used sort of the they, they didn't outright ban uh crowder they decided to basically cancel his monetization not monetize him and then uh, called them out. I think it was also the merch. It's and and they used the merch uh, part of it as to be uh, just sort of the excuse, not necessarily his content. It was more because of the fact that he his his merch had you know sort of like uh, hate in a way hate speech uh, on it, and he was using YouTube to sell the merch. So yeah, that's sort of where they sort of switched gears. They didn't outright ban him, but he's 
technically not making money, but he's making money. I mean, he's, he, he has, he's getting views. He's getting people to go to his website. Yeah. So, you know, at the end of the day, like he, he'll, um, you know, he'll survive this. He hasn't gone full Alex Jones, uh, in terms of being completely deplatformed. Yeah. That's, that's where YouTube sort of like switched gears. Yeah. So just to totally clarify, originally YouTube came out and said, he has been demonetized because he's selling these offensive t-shirts. Um, and, but then the, they basically said if he removes the links, he can monetize again. But then they came out again and said, we're also going to keep the demonetization off because of the other issues that are kind of surrounding him. So I think bit by bit, they kind of wielded to pressure and, and decided to, um, without banning him, basically, you know, yeah. Bring the ban hammer, ban hammer down on him. Um, and then it came all the way to um, CEO Susan Wojcicki coming out and offering uh, some kind of apology to the LGBT. Yeah. Same, th- same thing. And, and it was sort of felt like, you know, uh, there was sort of uh, some rumblings of even internal Google employees, YouTube employees really feeling um, that, you know, YouTube wasn't, holding its uh, end of the bargain and uh, wasn't really standing up for them. They've since apologized. Even Sundai Pachar sort of mentioned it earlier this week. You know, by the time this video goes out, this probably be a little bit of old news, but uh, and hopefully things will be settled down. But I think it's sort of important for us to sort of talk about this because one of the things that I find really disingenuous, and this is something that's been happening since the whole adpocalypse of uh, almost two years ago now, is the fact that like a lot of LGBTQ um, uh, content has been demonetized for since the adpocalypse, right? And that's definitely not cool. And especially when you consider, especially when there's like so many brands out there putting the colors on their logos and being supportive. But yet, you know, if I'm a YouTuber who's who's talking about or educating about gay rights or all that sort of stuff, my video has a higher chance to be demonetized or limited in term monetization, right? And that's something that I personally have taken offense with. It's sort of like, that makes no sense. That's where things are super murky. And probably one of the reasons why, you know, things have blown up in the last, uh, in the last month or so. Yeah. And, you know, I think what's really important as well is to say that even though they came out and apologized, they still stand behind their decisions. And I'm not gonna, I'm, you know, I'm not gonna get dragged into the whole free speech or not, um, debate, I don't think this is the right place to get into that kind of conversation. But what I really want to talk about and what I think is the the real important point of today's uh, discussion is, are YouTube standing by their decision because they believe in free speech? Or, as I believe, are they standing behind their decision because they don't want to take ultimate responsibility for policing what goes on on their platform because as soon as they start to step in on what is really appropriate or not they then become more liable and responsible for what goes on on the platform whereas traditionally they've always said we're not responsible for what gets put up yeah we're just a platform yeah um again a recurring theme so i'd like to get your take on that carlos like 
why do you think YouTube stand by that decision and how long can they use this notion of hands in the air? We're just a platform. We're, you know, we're impartial. We're a third party here. The whole platform uh, excuse that both YouTube, Facebook, and even Twitter are, are using is starting to not be relevant anymore because when you're just platform, you're, you can't be limiting what people do with, uh, with, uh, with it, right? You, you, you have to sort of like, uh, let people use, uh, you know, uh, different apps or, or different, uh, uh, app, uh, you know, programs with it. And, and, you know, as time goes, uh, Facebook's sort of the ultimate example of like, you know, as time goes, they, they, they limit more and more and more things. And, you know, obviously they got in trouble by letting people get too much access to their data, but that was their decision, right? They, they left things open, but as time goes, they've closed the platform up, uh, to be much more controlled, by them. And, uh, that's where things get a little bit murky in terms of like, if, is it just a platform, a plat? When I think of a platform, I think of WordPress, WordPress is a platform, WordPress, you can do whatever you want. You can, you pay, yeah. uh, you pay where well, you get a free account as well, but you pay WordPress, uh, and you can do, you can put whatever content you want. And, uh, the only issue with WordPress versus, uh, you know, YouTube, Facebook, and other is that you don't get reach. Like you have to market that platform. You have to do all that work. And that's where these platforms are super beneficial and why everybody's much more attracted to that. I feel like they're already past the point of no return of no longer being just a platform. First off, when you create content, uh, you know, which they have been doing as even the YouTube premium stuff, that's to me is a signal that you're not, you're not just a platform anymore. You're, you're more of a media. And to me, it was sort of like, okay, well, they've given up, you know, the whole platform excuse. I, I in my head, that that's what they had thought they had sort of moved on from, but they're still using it. And it's starting to get really, really hard to defend them on that, on that situation at this point. That's where things are with me. And when it comes to that. Um, so Carlos, in terms of how we can give actionable advice for anyone affected by this, I think to a certain extent, if you're working with quote unquote controversial content, whether you think it's controversial or not, whether that's LGBT stuff or talking about historical stuff, political stuff, war, guns, alcohol, medicinal cannabis, whatever it is, you know, sexual health, you're ultimately, you need to know that you're playing on, you know, you're building your house on somebody else's land and you have to play by their rules. You know, even if you're doing something that you think is totally innocent, like the example with the, the poker vlogger, um, YouTube have the right to, you know, basically take away their monetization tools at any point. Um, so ultimately you need to be prepared uh, by way of diversifying your income stream. So you're not wholly reliant on YouTube for that AdSense check. Um, also considering the kind of metadata and language that you're using in your videos. So is there a way that you can talk about the same topic without using kind of incendiary language or, uh, making sure that you're being objective in your presentation of, uh, anything that could be deemed as controversial. Um, 
but for some people, you know, I was working with a channel uh, a couple of weeks ago that was working in a niche and they were, you know, basically blanket demonetized and asking me what they could do about it. And really all I could do was shrug my shoulders and say, you know, you can't, you can't get around this. The niche that you're in is just not suitable for YouTube. You know, you can change the tags and, you know, but you can't hide what the, you know, the subject of these videos is about. And, you know, there's not really anything you can do to help yourself apart from maybe look for another platform or think of a way to monetize other than, than AdSense. And I think that's really the, you know, the biggest lesson that you can, you can take from this. Yeah. I think, uh, one of the biggest issues that, um, creators get into and, uh, and media companies that have you know, built themselves off YouTube, uh, get into is their dependence on, on, on the platform. Right. And, you know, I think this is sort of like another sort of message that we've been uh, harping on is, uh, you need to build YouTube to do, you know, you need to build that audience on YouTube, but you need to build an audience off YouTube, at least find other ways to sort of make money. I mean, uh, let's face it, Steven Crowder, is, you know, he's making money off of YouTube right? He's built an audience off of YouTube as well. And he's used YouTube very well. But at the same time, he's smart enough to have been, uh, you know, sort of di uh, diversified his his audience. You know, that's what everybody in this space, there's, you know, not getting into the specifics uh, of the type of content anybody wants to make out there. But like, if there is an audience for everything out there, and if you're playing into the world of you know, controversy and content that isn't brand friendly, well, you're going to always have trouble with uh, these platforms because they are trying to make money with the brands. And that's just the, the reality of it. And you need to use the audience in different ways to make money from the growth, uh, from, the, um, from the views. I think one kind of positive to to finish on is also you know in terms of what you can do that's actionable if you do see content out there that you think is disagreeable that is shouldn't be on the platform and that certain shouldn't be monetized that you do have the powers to 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 shout out about it you do have the powers to flag it on the on the platform there's you know in a click of a button you can report a video and you know if enough people speak out then against something then YouTube will listen. They've, they've proved that they might not have taken the, you know, the fullest extent that some people might have liked, but they did take some action because there was enough noise made. So if there is something you believe strongly about, you know, speak up about it. Definitely. Yes. Even though this is very, uh, surface level, you know, stuff when we want to be the behind the scenes people, um, this is all stuff that affects us. So it's really important for us to sort of like keep, on it and pay attention to, to it because uh, some of us have clients and some of us have our own channels that can be affected by it. So it's really important for us to just be aware. Yeah. So please talking about um, speaking up, please let us know what you thought about this week's episode about the subject. You can tweet us at video insiders, or you can email us hello at video insiders. Um, we cannot, finish without saying a huge thank you to our sponsors TubeBuddy and remember you can get a exclusive discount by visiting videoinsiders.fm forward slash TubeBuddy yes I want to also 
constantly acknowledge that TubeBuddy's been really uh, on the ball in terms of updating its uh, apps for the new YouTube Studio. Another side note is that supposedly in the next, uh, uh, oh, by the time you read this, by the time you listen to this, it'll be too late. But they're, now YouTube's going to start really enforcing Studio, which uh, you know some of us old school people are sort of like, oh man, <laughs> yeah, big time. Yeah. And uh, another side note, and this one's for our famous editor of this podcast, uh, Joe Pacheco, who's actually uh, my cousin. He got a job at uh, Watch Mojo. Oh, wow. Uh, he's going to be working on their new division regarding music. I think Watch Mojo is doing a new music project, maybe a new music channel and all that sort of stuff. When Ash publicly announced it, said that he needed people to help work on it, I made the introduction and uh, Joe is going to start working on it. So I'm really happy. Little nepotism. <laughs> I mean, hey, you know, you got to, I mean, I didn't have any pull. Uh, you know, Ash is, he's not somebody that you can, you know, mess around with. And he did his due diligence to make sure that, you know, it was the right candidate. So, you know. Of course he did, because he listened to this podcast, which is expertly edited <laughs> by Joe. So thank you, Joe. And thank you to all of our listeners. Please make sure you leave us a review and that you are subscribed in the podcast app of your choice. And we will speak to you in a couple of weeks. Have a good one. Bye. Bye.